0: So I'm, I'm teaching you on equations for restoration, because God wants you to be completely restored. And, and we don't always know what that process is like. Uh, Psalm 51 and 12, I love this. Uh, restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I need that. Anybody ever need that? You feel like you're lost and, and the Lord wants to restore your life, specifically the joy of my salvation. I, I love that, that statement. Just, uh, I'm saved, and we kind of lose the joy. We lose the celebration of who, who, I, who I am. And David had lost it because of his brokenness. He'd taken his eyes off the Lord. He was looking at other things, he had lost his purpose in life. Uh, so, restore to me the joy of my salvation and give me a willing spirit. Change me spiritually, change me inside, and then the outside will reflect that. So uh, we've dealt with several things today. I want to deal with doubt. We're going to deal with doubt. We're going we're to defeat your doubts. Anybody good with that? Anybody good for that? And uh, we will spend some time here in Matthew 14 where Jesus is walking on the water. I love this story. I mean, I preach this like every week and it'd be different. I think it's so powerful and so diverse. Jesus says, come, because Peter said, if it's you, Lord, tell me to tell me to come to you. And so Jesus just said one word, one word. Somebody shout one word. Come. Jesus said one word. How many know one word from God will change things? Anybody know that? Come. Then Peter got down off the boat, out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, uh, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. I love the next word. Read it if you can. What is the next word? Immediately. So I'm telling you. I'm telling you, because if you see the rest of this, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And we're going to contend with that, but I want you to know already, before you get in trouble with this message, I want you to go ahead and just embrace this, that Jesus still rescues us even when we doubt. Amen. I'm not saying that's the best way to live your life, right? It's not what I'm saying. There's a better way to do things. But how many re- got rescued before you got discipled? Anybody? Right? Before, before you had things figured out. Whew, the immediacy of Jesus. Thanks for stepping out and get your eyes off of things and the Lord... And so, some of you are fighting. You know, they, they tell me that if uh, somebody is uh, struggling in the water and somebody else jumps in to save them, that sometimes that, that person that's uh, struggling will fight back. And it, it, specifically today, if you're fighting, I want you to be rescued today. I want you to stop. I want you to listen to the Word of God, and I, and I want uh, you to be set free. I want us to deal with doubt. I want us to deal with it more, very comprehensively today because we love God's word and it will change you. All right? I want you to also know you might say, Well, I don't have any doubts. I want you to know that doubt disguises itself. Sometimes doubt disguises itself as fear. Uh, you just don't believe God will protect you, you know? Uh, and Or sometimes doubt dis- disguises itself as anger. Anybody just felt angry? Anybody ever had that? Anybody but me? I'll be the only one. Listen, I have messed up before, so I'm going to lift my hands up. I, if you were looking for that preacher that had no problems or didn't have to overcome anything, you're going to have to find him somewhere else because I, I have to fight back. Anybody else? I have to make a stand. So uh, anger, uh, withdrawing, just where you just, you just disappear. You're not at church. You ain't nowhere. Just withdrawing uh god won't answer my questions i ain't talking to god your prayer life's gone your worship life's gone you're feeding your flesh every day and your spirit's all dried up withdrawing that's that's it's disguised as doubt or or people get bitter uh and they're saying things like uh i'm just mad at god god won't heal my hurt or or this one i'm a realist i love that you know you know come on let's pray and let's believe that look i'm a realist and so you have no faith. That's what you're saying. All right. Listen, how many know my God is real? Yes. Don't make me sing right now. Okay. Very real in my soul. Too late. All right. So uh, when you're a realist says, you know, God's promises are overruled by my circumstances. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I know the God's promises, but I mean, you don't know what I'm going through and I don't. But I know what God's word says. So. Uh, the Word of God is so clear about this. Uh, and, I, and I know sometimes like, you just run into a wall. Anybody ever done that? Just boom. Just in your life. Uh, but here's the truth. You might be going through difficulty, but God's Word is still true. And he says, if, if you feel like, well, there's nothing good happening in my life, Jesus said, I, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he, is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what can you do apart from nothing? And then uh, uh, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Uh, Ephesians uh, 2 and 8, for by grace, you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It is, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And then he says in verse 14, verse 12, I said to you, whoever believes in me, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So you may have hit a wall, but I still know that Jesus has not changed who Jesus is. Right? And we need to, rather than run into a wall, we need to run into Jesus. We need to get into His grace, into His mercy. You know Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. I can do, read it, come on. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Uh, and, and you might say, you know, what we need to be is more self-confident. I, I'm telling you that, that as much self-confidence as you, as you have, you are going to run into a wall without Jesus. You just got to be confident in yourself. No, just being confident in yourself is good. I'm glad you're confident. I I get a kick out of that. But without Jesus, you're still going to struggle. I'm all for self-confidence. Our lives, however, are firmly planted in this verse, in Hebrews 11 and 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I must have faith. Faith pleases Him. So And I know, we go through things. We hit things. Things are struggling. I, Diana and I, we were doing a worship conference in uh, Richmond, and we, we had a bunch of singers that were meeting us there. One of, the, one of the pastors' wife rode with us, and she was in the back seat. She had had a newborn baby. She was breastfeeding the baby, and I hit a speed bump. And she said, Rick, if you hit another speed bump like that. And she said some other things. She said... She said, something's going to get ripped off, all right? And uh, now here, so you know what she said, okay? And um, so, so here's reality. I mean, I might be able to avoid some speed bumps, but in parking lots have speed bumps. Might have to slow down, but a lot of the things that I hit... Are like this time of the year, potholes. Somebody praise God for potholes. you driving down the road, you didn't even see it coming. Nobody put a sign up, "Hey, pothole ahead." You just hit stuff, and, and suddenly it seems like the wheels come off because uh, of things that happen in life and struggles. Conflict can hit you from anywhere. You don't know. You're just moving along, and then you get a phone call. You just go to the grocery store. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can just be there. A thought can come from nowhere, and you'll go from man of faith to man of doubt. Just like that. And, and, and I don't know. I don't know everybody's situation, but if in this last uh, quarter, in this last few months, if God gave you a report card on your faith on trusting Him, what would you get? What would you get? I mean, you you might know, I'm not trying to bust, I'm not trying to make you feel shameful or anything. Uh, We dealt with that last Sunday, praise God. But I'm telling you that 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 faith is something that we need we're going to go through circumstances we're going to go through difficulty God's word is clear about who you are but but still you have a bad day you have a conflict you have a cough you have a sickness and doubt just flies in your face and you find yourself like Peter sinking in the water and looking at the storms I've experienced it uh, you know those God doesn't care evidently moments, right? Well God, where are you? You, you just don't care the sense that God will take care of everything ex- except me. How come how come they got a job? How come they got better? How come they got through it? How come they got a new house? And here I sit in my mess, God, when you gonna show up for me when really you're not believing him, you just kind of throw in your circumstance in his direction. Hey God, if it's you, I don't believe it's you, but if it is you, do something. And uh, But God's Word is, is pretty powerful here. First Corinthians 2 and 9, As it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them. Amen? That love Him. Or Isaiah 49, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? And you would say no, but He says, Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. So, so this is the Word of God but we're, we still doubt. It's common for humans to doubt. And we're very fickle about our faith. Am I right? Kinda, it, it, it happens all the time. We lose a job, we doubt God. We get a job, but we rejoice. Someone dies and we believe we are forsaken and God has forsaken us. Someone overcomes and we celebrate that God has heard our prayer. So sometimes our faith looks just like this, right? I mean, it's like, praise God. God, where are you? God, thank you, Jesus, for giving me that promotion. God, where were you when my car broke down? Christians, we've got to be more consistent in our faith lives. Come on. God wants you to be better. And, and, and at the same time, I've got some, some good news for you. A struggle with doubt is not necessarily a sign of a loss of faith. It is a battle for your faith. Anybody ever have to fight for your faith? Anybody ever have to do that? It's a battle. You say, well, I'm having struggling with doubts. Well, why are you struggling with doubts? Because you have faith. Because there are some people who are just Godless. They've already they deny God. It's not that they are doubters, it's that they have succumbed to the lies of the enemy that there is no God and God is not going to help them. They're, they're, a struggle with doubt, again, is not necessarily a sign of loss of faith. There are tons of terms to appropriate and articulate the essence of what God desires in our life. However, there is there is this one term that's head and shoulders above the rest. What does God want? Faith. When he when he looks across the earth, he's looking for what? People that are faithful, people that he's looking for faith. And the enemy of that term is often said to be fear. You know, you know that fear is the opposite of faith. But I I want to challenge you. Usually before fear shows up, there's something that provides a place for it, clears the land for it, lays a foundation for it, and it's doubt. Before you were walking in fear, you had a thought. Well, maybe God ain't gonna show up. So so here's here's what God wants to do. He wants to change us. He wants to make us different. He specializes in changing us. Whenever He gets involved in anything, ultimately what you're going to see is change. If He speaks His word over it, things are going to change. And when God changes something, He doesn't change things. Uh, he, He doesn't do it for the same reason you change your living room. I just want it to look a little different. God doesn't change things just so it'll be different. He changes it for the purpose of making it eternally better and bringing glory to Him. God wants to make your life better than it has been. There are folks that could testify this, am I right? I mean, come on, if I look back over my life and I think things are over, come on, anybody? I mean, anybody got a story like that where you could tell about how God blessed you, you were at a place in your life, but God showed up in your storm, said, Walk to me, and you fell and he leaned over, picked you up. God doesn't make the broken different, he makes the broken whole. Prophet Joel doesn't hear the Lord saying Joel 3.10 Let the weak be different He says I want to make you strong He doesn't, he doesn't change the bonds of the bound He sets them free yeah. he, so, so the messages he gives He perpetuates transformation He wants to change us To renew us To relieve us from our fear and shame He wants you not only to see him new He wants you to see yourself differently that's important. Remember Numbers chapter 13 where you got the spies. Remember those guys? I love to talk about them. I know it's not nice talking about them, but we got to talk about them. God wrote about them in his book. So we got all these spies, two of them, Caleb and Joshua, they come back. We can do this. But the other ten come back and they say, "Oh, truly, we got, look at the fruit. We got fruit. The place is just overflowing with all kinds of great things. Yes, it is a land of milk and honey. But the people that live there, they got these really big fortresses and really big weapons. And the children of Anak are there. And going down the 31st verse, he says, he they start talking and they say, the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack the, those people. They are stronger than we are. Who said that? You know? Wait, are you why are you putting that on me? Alright? They are stronger than than we are. Wait, when you say we, you are including me. Is that what you're saying? I'm supposed to swallow this. He says, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report and walked around. And there are people that will do that. How many know the devil will do that? Just walk in the crowd, get in the church, spread. Oh, it ain't gonna worry I, that, and just spitting all this nonsense. And then he said, "They said this. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. I thought he said it was land of milk and honey, and the people we saw there are of great size. Uh, we saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Enoch came from the Nephilim. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that. They were. They did see big people. Okay, but this is what bothers me. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Well, first of all, how do you know what you look like to them?" How did you climb into their heads and see you? How do, how do you know what you look like to them? How do you know God can put fear into your enemy's eyes? Anybody know that? We look like that to them. And then he said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So we got these 10 guys who, I don't know, they must have had a conversation on the way back about grasshoppers. But they don't, they don't understand grasshoppers like I do. But still, I mean, when I think of grasshoppers, okay, maybe I look small. But you don't know how scrappy I am. You don't, Anybody ever had a grasshopper and its grasshopper seat? And you'll walk out through the woods or take a trailer in your backyard and one of those little things that have crawled out of the ground will jump on you and you'll be you'll be doing all of this. Say, get that They just hit you in the face, spits all over you when you grab it. Anybody know about grasshoppers? Let me tell you something about grasshoppers. According to the word of God, when Israel was in bondage, there were some things like grasshoppers that came against Pharaoh and helped turn his mind, set God's people free. Somebody should have lifted their hands and said, praise God. They never seen a grasshopper like me. And another thing. Stop putting your inner grasshopper on me. Don't be don't be transferring your grasshopperness into my life. You might see yourself. You probably got up this morning, and all you saw was a grasshopper. But I, I kind of like a kung fu grasshopper. You know a grasshopper. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Alright, so I mean what? What is your vision of yourself? How how do you know? How do you know? Don't let the enemy give you a limitation mentality. Don't, come on, I know you've been victimized one time, but don't live with a victim mentality. You, you don't want this. So, so they, 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 you're going to have to... It's going to take them 40 years to overcome the grasshopper mentality, living and dying in the wilderness. But the Word of God tells me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And God wants you to begin to see yourself as He sees you. He wants you to realize that you are an exception to that vision. We walk on the other. Come on. We walk on what other people sink into. We are on top of what... Other people are underneath of. We are managing what others are overwhelmed by. You get through what other people are stranded behind. You are designed and built for unique victory in your life. God wants his people to be confident. Look at somebody, say, be confident, be confident. God wants his people to be confident. And, and, and somebody say amen. Would you do that? I love it when God's people say amen. Come on. Somebody shout amen. Go ahead. No, come on, do it again. Amen, amen. Sometimes you clap your hands. Why am I clapping your hands? Because clapping your hands is a worshipful way to say amen. What you're saying is yes, yes. And if you're doing it on beat, it's even better, okay? I mean, when you're saying amen, because when somebody sings that he is higher than the heavens, and you're going, yes, you're saying that's the truth, and I acknowledge it, and I receive that into my own life. That's why sometimes you clap your hands through the wrong song. I shouldn't have done that. We should be, come on, we should be confident. Amen is an ancient declaration. It goes back into the children of Israel. And here's the concept. If we can agree with what God says, then what God says will show up in our life. So there you go. There you go. Come on. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout amen. amen. See, that's positive for you, but sometimes you just shout amen from a religious perspective. You go to church and everybody says amen, and everybody just moves around like they're in the spirit. And I, I'm telling you, there are people that can dance in the spirit that are not really dance in the spirit. And there are people that can say amen that are not really saying amen. They're really saying, oh me. They're just, they're just saying, I, I kind of like being a part of the crowd. You say amen sometimes. You should say amen even if you haven't got it all figured out. If it's the word of God, even if you haven't experienced, you ought to go ahead and say amen. So be it in my life. It's part of the reason when we pray, we get to the end of our prayer and we say, you know, we pray this in the name of Jesus and sometimes we get on in the name of Jesus who died for me and rose again and we begin to just take uh, uh, the name of Christ and we explore we expand on it the one who came and is coming the one uh, who lived and died and now is alive forevermore the one who sits on the royal throne at the right hand of the Father in the name of Jesus Amen, amen. and don't just get real spiritual on me here I'm, no get spiritual on me but you know what I'm saying I What I'm telling you is what we really need is to hear, speak that word in prayer and say, so be it, and walk away confidently because God wants you not only to have a prayer, He wants you to have confidence that when you pray a prayer, that your God is heard it, has heard it, and He will fulfill exactly what you asked Him to do. Sometimes we pray like, God, it's a mess. It's a mess. And we just ask you to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. I know it ain't going to happen, but we're asking anyway, just in case you happen to be awake today, Jesus, just in case you're paying attention. And I'm going to say amen, not because so be it. I'm saying so be it. So be it. I'm just kind of stuck. Am I preaching anybody's story right now? Amen. Amen. So I love uh, 2 Corinthians 1 and 10. Uh, Pop Volava used to always quote this. He loved all the promises of God are yes. And in him, amen, to the glory of God. I, kinda, I experienced a little bit of this at his youngest son's funeral service. I preached his youngest son's funeral. Uh, and, and Scott, you know, he, he kind of had a tough life. I mean, he, I mean, we talked about it at the funeral, so this is not big news. His baby boy was a bit rebellious in his life. And, uh, and you know, he, he, he passed away, but before he died... I know I talked to him about his faith on the phone. And before he died, his brother-in-law Paul Hathaway and his sister came all the way from uh, South Dakota and sat with him and Scott tearfully confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now, the reason I say this, Pop used to always stand up and he'd quote this scripture and he'd say, Every one of my children are going to come into the kingdom of God. Uh, And I have that as a promise in my heart. All of my kids are going to come in. And you could not argue with Pop for that. And uh, Paul, uh, at the service this past week, he came, into this, he came in and said, and this is what happened. This is the prayer I prayed. And Dad said this before he died, and God showed up. How many know God shows up? Anybody know that? God shows up. You ought to go ahead and declare God's word and shout amen. Somebody shout it. Amen. amen. In in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, we are always confident knowing that we are at home in the body. We are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. In the the last few days, I've done three funeral services. And uh, I just want you to know a funeral is a good thing. Nobody heard me say that. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Especially if you lift up the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? If you can lift it up. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. You read the rest of the scripture. What he's saying is we're in mortal bodies. And our mortal bodies are longing to be set free and to be taken into the very presence of God. Anybody got an ache or a pain or an age you know, here or there, I'm telling you that one day my mortal body will lay down and my spirit man says, just wait till I get my immortal body. So I, I, just, I just think that our faith ought to be greater. I think one of the problems, sometimes we look, we look at God like we look at pool toys. Anybody, anybody getting ready to get their pool toys out yet? I mean, I, mine are still stored up. But, uh, I mean, just imagine, you know, you're at at the pool and somebody's out there playing in the pool and they slip into the deeper water and you see them and you grab one of them pool toys. I'm just going to throw them this. But then you turn it over and you read the back of it. And it says, this is not a life-saving device. And you just yell out there and you say, hey, look, I'd throw this to you, but it says right here it's not a life-saving device. So kick You hear what I'm saying? That's how we deal with God sometimes. Like, I know what God's Word says. Come on. I know that God could save you. I know that He could. He just ain't going to do it right now. And we deliver this faithless... Come on. Anybody understand? This faithless presentation uh, of God. Uh, and, and, and sometimes you just... You know, you have a hard time embracing this. I was... Uh, I watched the news this morning... You know, I, had a, I had an amazing time this morning watching the news because every story that they told was a good news story. I thought, this must be the millennial reign. Jesus must have come back, set up the kingdom, and I didn't know it. Every one. I mean, there was a boy who had his bike stolen, and the neighbors got together and put money together and got him a new bike and had more money uh, for the new bike than he needed. So the boy took all the money and set up a little booth and bought li- locks for neighbors with the extra money so that other kids... Wasn't that great? All kinds of little stories. One right after another. These stories. And I thought, this, this is wrong. Before it got bad, I turned it off. Because I... <laughs> and, 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 uh, th- but then I was... Uh, uh, they, they gave one other story. And I—and and this is probably where some of you turned it off. They had a story on new information about drinking wine. Uh, that drinking wine every day is not healthy... But it is similar to smoking cigarettes, and it can cause cancer. Drinking water. And some of you are saying, Man, what am I gonna do? Some of you look at me like right now. Like, what? what am I gonna do? I mean, I know Jesus can't help me have peace at night. Did I just preach a whole sermon right there? Did I? We should just everybody should just come and repent right now. Uh I'm just saying that there are things we're, we're so we're so not used to good news, and and we're so ready to uh, bless bad news, right? And then when we hear something like this, it's like you know this this is not good. I and some of you immediately looked at me and said, that's not the truth. Like you doubt it already, because doubt is always sitting right there, ready to jump on. Am I right? Just just ready to jump in. So. I'm gonna. I want to tell you this, in case you did not know from what I've already told you. Doubt is not healthy. Doubt is not good for you. It's not good for you. Uh, James one and six. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. When you ask, you must believe and. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Unstable is no. If doubt, come on, doubt is toxic, it will get into everything in your life. If you believe God's word, you'll start believing that God will do things that you never thought were a possibility before. But when you begin to doubt, that doubt will begin to worm its way in to every aspect of your life. Now, and so you might say, well, you know, I don't have a doubt problem. I'm just walking in unforgiveness. No, unforgiveness is... Is caused by doubt because you doubt that God's word says that you should really forgive people. Your doubt is if they had done to me what they'd done to you, you wouldn't be forgiving them either. And I'm saying that you need to forgive everyone. They're everyone, but they didn't ask for forgiveness. No, you got to forgive them too. If you want victory in your life, you've got to walk in complete forgiveness. So, doubt causes doubt, causes fear, doubt causes anxiety. You got family brokenness. I'm telling you, before your family's broken, somebody had doubt. Somebody had doubt. Somebody had doubt. Got up one morning and said, I don't know if I want to be here. I doubt that they really love me. And you have family uh, brokenness or or you have relational brokenness out of doubt. You have financial ruin. You can have all of these things. Listen, just as soon as you begin to believe God's word and you run doubt out of the house, things will come back together. Because God wants to restore things. God is not the God who tears things up. He restores things. Somebody ought to shout amen. Amen. Come on. The faith is powerful. Outside of doubt, faith is powerful. Let me just tell you what the Word of God says. You're, you're going to get through it. You, uh, Jesus still loves you. This is not the end. God will forgive you. Jesus' blood is still enough. By His stripes you are healed. Your children are promised. God heard your prayers. A miracle is on the way. It's not over until God says it over. It's over. Your time is in God's hands. You are not forgotten. You will see your old ones again. Weeping may last for the night, but... Comes in the morning. God has not abandoned you. So you will see victory over your giant. Satan was defeated at the cross. The battle does belong to the Lord. Amen. I know you've heard all these comments before. It's the word of God. I just woke up in the middle of the night and God told me I just wrote all those things down. i just in my heart. In the middle of the night. How many got every right to wake anybody up? You just start just to start writing things down. How many of you have ever got awakened in the middle of the night with fear and anxiety and doubt and depression? Come on, wave at me. Wave at me. You probably ought to make a copy of that and lay that on your bedstand. And the next time doubt tries to jump in your mind, remember, faith is powerful without doubt. And faith will drive doubt away. Come on. You read the Word of God, you don't see people celebrating their doubt. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23 says. I shall not want... Maybe sometimes I will, but I don't know. I, yeah, I just really don't know if I want or not. Maybe God, no. He says, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores. I know I'm I'm struggling with my emotion right now, but he restores my soul. I'm not going to be like this all way. For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through death, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. Uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I mean, the enemies coming after me, I'm having supper. Somebody praise God. So what he says. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I have more than enough. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I, I know I may lay this body down, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord for." doesn't sound like doubt in Psalm 103 bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives Some of your iniquities on occasion if you'll do. No. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? And I love that story. anybody know that story? anybody know that story? You know where that comes from? The story of the golden eagle. Because what happens is there's this season that the eagle will go through. And the golden eagle, here's what he does: he flies to the highest perch he can find. His feathers from work and fighting and flying and storms are coming out. And he flies to the highest perch he can. And he sits there and he stares. He's one of those those animals that has the ability to stare at the sun. And he will perch on that high cliff and just stare at the sun and while he stares at the sun his plumage will begin to fill up again and his body will be renewed and after he sat there for a while eventually he'll spread his wings and he'll jump from that cliff that he can barely make it up to fully restored and I'm telling you if you'll park yourself and stare at Jesus for a little while and get into the word of God then your life will be restored was I preaching about Peter this morning? Yes, I was. Matthew 14. I love this story. Uh, but I would prefer the whole story because sometimes all you read is the sinking part and you don't get the whole back story. And it's the backstory. Anybody love the backstory? story? So say amen because I'm going to tell you about it. So... Uh, <laughs> The back story is important because you, you got to get it all, you know. Come on, let me talk to marriages for a moment. If you want a good relationship, you need to know that sometimes uh, uh, things will happen that will cause conflict in your home. And then it will explode. It's like, I thought we were just talking about where we were going to eat. And no. You know, I, I, I call it the crumbs in the bed theory. It's this concept, you know. You go to bed, and she gets in bed, and evidently you have been in bed before eating cupcakes or a sandwich or something, and she gets and She says, why are there crumbs in the bed? And uh, she looks over your you, and he says, yeah, there's crumbs in the bed. Crumbs in the bed. I mean, Crumbs in the bed? Why do we always have crumbs in the bed? And, and why don't you take out the trash once in a while? Why, why don't you help me with the kids? Don't you realize that things are... Because you haven't managed all the other stuff, suddenly you have one little thing. I mean, there's crumbs in the bed, and she starts shaking the sheets, and, and everything is coming out. <laughs> and, and, and here's the deal. Things need to be dealt with. You need to know the whole story because sometimes people are not upset about what they're upset about. Wave at me. Sometimes you're not. So Especially if it's a large issue because nobody gets that mad over a few crumbs. It's deeper. This story is a lot deeper. Uh, I mean, the text is, is, is powerful and I, I want you to see... I want you to see people of God in struggle in this. I want you to see people of God in struggle. I can't wait to pray for you today. People of God in struggle. So we're in Matthew 14, but these scriptures fit together so powerfully. In Matthew 11, uh, uh, John was in prison. He was in prison because he was powerful and he was telling Herod the truth. And so Herod put him in a prison, but he wouldn't kill him because the people knew he was a prophet of God and he didn't want an uprising against himself. He liked his king job. So he's in prison and John sends his disciples to see Jesus and says, uh, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? And, and uh, Jesus tells them, just tell them what you see. That the blind are seeing, and the lame are walking, and the dead are rising, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is the man who is not offended because of me. He's, he's saying, just tell them what you see. Tell them what you see. Because if John was out there, he would have seen it. Now remember, John and Jesus are cousins. They're really tight. Anybody got somebody really tight with? Probably just sitting with a cousin right now. Really tight with them. You know. It's just how many, Anybody like that? So Jesus and John, they were born very similar times. Remember Mary went and seen Elizabeth, John's mother. So they're tight. And John is the forerunner, as prophesied in the Word of God. He is the forerunner of Jesus. So John is preaching. Uh, This message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he baptizes Jesus and he says, I can't baptize you. I know who you are. But he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John baptizes Jesus and the voice of God, you know, blessed, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You know the story, right? So all of this, and now John is in prison. And that's that's tough. But if we're in John, we're in Matthew chapter 14 right now. All of this is in Matthew 14. And it begins with at this time in verse one, Jesus had just come from Nazareth. Anybody remember what happened in Nazareth? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, Jesus was amazed in Nazareth. That's the big thing. You know why Jesus was amazed? Because he could do no miracles there. Jesus couldn't do any miracles. Do you know why he couldn't do miracles in his hometown? Because they had no faith in his hometown. So Jesus comes out of Nazareth, and and he's heading this direction. And the Bible says that uh, something else had, uh, had just happened. At this time, Herod had a birthday party. And uh, John had been arrested, looking back to Matthew 11, it says that, and Bounty put him in prison because Herodias, his brother's wife, okay? So John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. So basically, if you know the backstory, story, Herod decided that he wanted his brother's wife, Herodias. What about that? That's a cute couple. Herod and Herodias, okay? Anyway, and, uh, Herod, uh, and, and he, Herod wanted to kill John, but he couldn't. And so at Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for them, and it pleased Herod. Now, can I just say to you, there is something really creepy. <laughs> that Herod was really pleased with his adulterous wife's daughter who was dancing before him. All right? So basically, this is porn a long time ago. And, uh, and promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. And prompted by her mother, you've got to be careful who you're listening to. She said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. So, this is this time out of Nazareth. Now, what's going on? Now, John the Baptist, in the next verse, we find that uh, that's exactly what ha- happened that the king uh, had John the Baptist's head chopped off, and they brought into the room John the Baptist's head on a platter. How sick is this? Okay, now John's disciples took his body and buried his body. Now, look at what happens. Uh, John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, I just want you to receive that and breathe there for a moment because uh, Jesus... Anybody ever have to get away? Yes. Anybody ever have to get away? Yes. Anybody ever have like a struggle? Now, John, Jesus lost his closest friend. He lost his beloved John. Now, Jesus knew that he would see John again. He knew all of that. Jesus could have raised him from the dead, okay? Uh, He could have done that. I don't know where his head was, but Jesus would have made it happen, okay? He could have popped a brand new head on his body if he wanted to. But that's not, it wasn't time. Because John knew, and he even said this, he must increase, but I must decrease. John had to disappear from the scene. And nevertheless, the suffering, how many know that Jesus bore our sorrows? He, he, he's been tempted in every way, just like us. But when Jesus goes through a moment like this, rather than going out and having a drinking party, and just, you know, Jesus went away to a solitary place. Got his own boat, said, I'm going to go to a solitary place. Now, if you read the next scripture, watch what happened. Uh, uh, the Bible says that Jesus uh, withdrew. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So Jesus is going to a solitary place, and the, and the crowd hears about where he is going. Wonder how they hurt. Wonder who got word out. Jesus is withdrawing to be where? By himself, with the Father, just to be by himself. When he gets there, Jesus landed. Jesus gets off the boat. Before he gets there, the crowds are there. And he had compassion on them, and he started healing people. That's what Jesus does. He heals people. Even when his heart is heavy, he ministers to people. It's a remote place, the Bible says. And uh And the disciples came up to him and said, Jesus, this is a remote place and and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to villages and buy themselves some food. So Jesus is teaching. And he says, "Um, hey, you brought them here. You feed them. You feed them. Go ahead and feed them. Now, I don't know if he had that smart, eloquent response like I just had. I don't know. But I kind of hope that he had a little bit of it. And uh, he says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. So uh, then in verse 17, you remember we only have five loaves and two fishes how many remember the story now see all you ever hear about is the five loaves and two fishes oh jesus took five loaves and two fishes no i want you to know that there was a situation that was going on and some teaching that was happening and so he directed the people to sit down you know the rest of the story right and and jesus multiplies it they have 12 baskets fulls left over and uh and and so five thousand uh, beside Him. so what happens immediately after the meal in verse 22 Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead of him to the other side of the lake while he dismissed over 5,000 people by himself. Isn't that crazy? Hey guys, uh, I really don't trust you right now because I know you too well. You get in the boat and go to the other side. I'll catch up. And he dismisses the 5,000 people on his own. Now, then as they are going across the lake uh, a wind comes up and they are buffeted in other words they can't go forward and they can't go backwards they are stuck in the wind and uh, the bible says during the fourth watch of the night jesus went out to them which suggests to me that jesus knew they were stuck and he comes to where they are about the, in the, you know middle of the night it's dark it's rainy it's windy they're just in it. Jesus says, I'm going to let them stew for a little while. And he walks on the lake. Now, Jesus is not unforgiving. He loves them. He's just going to work with this. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Why? Because not only have they come to Christ, there's also a land that is filled with superstition. Come on, brothers and sisters. Some of you say, I, I don't understand. I couldn't imagine. Listen, some of you believe in that kind of stuff yourself. You're wondering why you have so much fear. Well, you shouldn't have went to, uh, you know, Madam So-and-So and and let her read your hand and look into her crystal ball. And uh, every time there's a creak in your house, you think a ghost just climbed out. And that's because you have opened yourself up to all of that. Well, these guys, they are new in faith, and they still got a bunch of junk in their life. It's a ghost! It's a ghost! Sometimes you're so full of mess, you can't even see Jesus when He's walking to you. And... Jesus said take courage it is I take courage I'm giving you courage I'm coming to give you courage don't be afraid and Peter replied Lord if it's you which is classic isn't it Lord if it's you I'm standing here on the water you can't get anywhere I just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish Um, you've heard me preach I called you from the water come on If it's me, Jesus didn't do that. I've been wanting to do If it's me, really? Bye. No. If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus gives him one word. What's the word? Come. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to see, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, I preached about that. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And then he said this, you have little faith. Some people are saying that's terrible. I'm saying it ain't so bad because faith as the grain of a mustard seed you can move mountains. Somebody praise God. He's saying, You, you have little faith, you have little faith, you, you have little faith, little faith people can walk on the water. And you're saying, I haven't ever walked on the water. I'm telling you, some have been walking on the water all week long. Some of you have walked over some circumstance and some of You say, Well, I'm, you know, I'm human. I can't walk in the water. Some of you walked over some attack of the enemy in your life and in your home. Some of you would be dead and, and gone by now if it hadn't been for the fact that you decided that Jesus said, just keep walking. And you keep walking. And sometimes you have a struggle with doubt, and he says, "Come!" and he starts walking on the water, and he drowns. Jesus reaches out and grabs him. Yes. Yes. Says, "You have little faith." a good job on that little faith you had. Thank you. So why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And this is this is where we're going to learn these last few things here. here. Here's here's our addition. This is our equation. Can I can I finish this? Say yes. yes. Okay. Did you mean that? Yes. Okay. Because I'm not taking nos. I'm not taking any. Engage plus focus plus confess equals defeating your doubts. Engage plus focus plus confess equals defeating your doubt. Engage. So Jesus knows the answer, but Peter has to engage. Why did you doubt? Why? Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? I mean, I was standing right there in front of you. You were already walking on the water. What a miracle. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Is it my theology? No. I know that Jesus will never leave me or forsake me. I know my heart that, that He has power over the wind and the sea. Notice that Peter also was the only one. Would you notice that with me? Just for a moment. Will you notice that none, none of the other boys got out and walked on water? Peter was the only one. He was the only one. Somebody shout, only one, only one. I mean, he's dealing with his doubts, but uh, you know, he had a little faith. A little faith. How many, how many will trust God in an only one situation? And will you do that? Will you believe God when everybody else denies God? When everybody else says you're gonna it's over, when everybody else says you're finished. Uh, we need come on, we need some only one faith. Can I get some of that? Some only one faith. I don't need everybody, I don't always have two or three to agree with me. Sometimes I say, Jesus, if you'll call me, I'll come. You know why you're doubting right now? This is huge. This is the engagement. Sometimes you're doubting because you're the only one taking action. Go ahead, you pat yourself on the back a little bit right there. Go ahead. Yes, you're struggling, but you said, you said this, my marriage is going to get better. And you forgave your husband or you forgave your wife and you started working on things. You decided that you would step out in a ministry even though you didn't feel qualified. You chose to speak up and take God at His word. And then, in the middle of it, you get stormed on. Come on. You're trying to get through this. You almost get through it. I mean, you're, you're stuck and you see Jesus and you hear him say, come. And then you start walking and then you start sinking. And Jesus reaches down and grabs you because he wants you to answer the question, why did you doubt? Come on. First of all, don't be afraid of doubt. If you want to overcome doubt and be free of doubt... Get out of the boat so that you can... In, come on. You have to do something. You say, I don't doubt. Of course you don't. Don't never do nothing. <laughs> haven't tried to help anybody. Haven't served anybody. Haven't prayed more than five minutes a day all your life. Come on. You hear what I'm saying? You, you say, why Why don't I... I'm, I'm not struggling. Sometimes a sinking suggests that you took a step. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Uh, here we are 2019. Somebody thank God for 2019. It was over 2,000 years ago that Peter took this step and we're still talking about it. There's something that you're doing right now that your children and your children's children are going to talk about. Because even when it seemed like you turned your eyes off Jesus, Jesus caught you and engaged you and said, you're going to get through this. Come on. Immediately. 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 Peter doesn't even answer. Why did you doubt? Peter goes, "Can we just get it back in the boat right now? You know? Here's the deal. The reason Peter doubted is because he looked at the storm rather than looking at Jesus. How many like me have done that before? Where are we? Come on, wave at me. All right? I'm telling you, He still loves you. But you've got to remember, keep your eyes on Jesus. Engage Jesus. Remember, He is the Word of God. He's the one that said come and provided a a solid foundation in the middle of the water for you to walk on. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. Come on. And and, and, in John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen, anything that God says you can walk on. Why did you doubt? Because the storm was great. So just, just answer that. The reason you doubted wasn't because God failed you. It was because I stopped looking at Him. Why did I doubt? Why did I doubt? It was because I stopped looking at Jesus. Don't ever let that little preschool Bible story escape you. We need to teach it to our children. I doubted because I was looking at circumstances rather than at him. But he did say, come, so can I add this to you? Engage plus focus on the Word of God. Jesus said, take courage, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter had one word from Jesus. One word. You need to say that. One word. One word. If he would have just focused on the one word, he would have never gotten wet. Do you know the one word of God? God. Sure, I know his word, but how does it compare to your situation? Jesus said, Come, the storm is really great. Come on. Jesus was in grief, but he had come from heaven and he was returning to heaven. He didn't grieve like we grieve because he knew he was the Word of God. He knew who he was, he knew where he'd come from, he knew where he was going. Amen. I love the man who was a centurion who placed his faith in Jesus. Remember that guy? Jesus said, uh, I'll I'll come to your house. And he said, I'm not even worthy for you to come to my house, but if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be made whole. And at that very hour, the servant gets home, uh, the, the centurion gets home, and his servant is completely healed. Come on, compare your situation to the word of God. Engage the question of doubt, and then focus on the word that God has given you, and then confess. A couple of things, really. You need to confess your need and confess the Word of God. Lord, save me! He cried out. I love that. I like Psalm 34. Anybody like Psalm 34, verse 15? You're about to. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them. Some people say, I don't know how to pray. Lord, save me! How's that? Help me, Jesus! Help me right now, Jesus! I know sometimes it kind of feels like clowning around in the car. Somebody cuts you off. You say, Jesus, protect me. Right? You need to realize that when you cry out, the Lord is hearing you. Somebody say Jesus. Just say. Come on, say Jesus. Jesus. How many know when you speak his name, the disciples said, even the devils are afraid. Even the devils will flee. Somebody say Jesus. Don't say it like a byword. Say it like the one who died for you and rose again and his eye is upon you. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of a few of their troubles on occasion. No. Out of all of their troubles. Come on. How many are in trouble? Anybody in trouble right now? Anybody in trouble in your home? Anybody in trouble? He says cry out to me. The Lord hears you in all of your troubles. He will deliver them out of all of your trouble. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. How many have ever been in a broken hearted situation and doubt was all there? I mean, you got hurt. You got offended. Somebody hurt you. You had brokenness in your home. In your marriage, your heart was broken. The Lord's going to get close to you because He wants to heal you. He wants to heal that home. He wants to heal your family. And He saves such as have a contrite, a humble spirit. Not people say, God, you need to come over here and take care of this right now. But people who say, God, I, I know I'm saved by your grace and I'm going to heaven by your mercy. I thank you for that. And I know I'm in an affliction right now. Show up. I need you right now. And the alarm of heaven goes off. Come on, anybody understand that? I was driving here today, coming down First Colonial, and it never fails. I come down First Colonial. It seems like there's always going to be a siren. Somebody, there's going to be an emergency squad. There was one, and there was two. And I and and I was thinking. I said, you know, hundred years ago, you didn't get this. Am I right? Hundred years ago, you didn't have. You couldn't call nine one one, and boom. Twenty minutes later, you're going to have somebody who knows how to get your heart started at your front door. You're not going to have that. But now we got rescue squads everywhere. We just take them for granted. If something happens to me, I'll just call 911. something happens to me, I'm going to call Jesus first. Anybody with me? Before there was a rescue squad, there was a Savior who loved us, who was listening for the righteous to call. Somebody cry out. Come on. Cry out. You know, I don't know. Again, I don't know what you're going to say. Lord, save me. Jesus, do something. I need you right now. James 2.17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. And And the Word of God says this, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. All right? So... You say you believe, but you're living in doubt and everything is crumbling around you. Jesus says, what you going to do about that? I'm going to sit here and complain or I'm going to cry out to God. Come on, how many know crying out is an act of faith? Anybody know that? It's an act of faith. And can I add this to it? Not only is it an act of faith, but then confessing that word openly. Anybody with me? Has anybody ever confessed the word of God before? Anybody ever done that? I love this. There's so much scripture. I I, I think I'm... Here. I'm going to take you to uh, Matthew 17, 20. Read this with me. I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Romans 4, verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. So that... It may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Any, any Abraham's offspring in the house? Where are you? Where are you, family? We're all Abraham's offspring. We are, if you believe in Jesus. Not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, as it is, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Here is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead And calls things that are not as though they are. Anybody ever read this before? Against all hope, verse 18, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelieving regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Anybody ever used the scripture before? This is the template that the Lord says. He says that, that God is calling those things that are not as though they are. Abraham, you're going ha- to give birth to a child. That's not going to happen. Sarah, you're going to get pregnant. No, my womb's dead. She had a dead womb. You hear that? But God says, things that are not, call them as they are. Abraham started saying things like this to Sarah. Sarah, we're going to leave and we're going to move and God's going to make us a great nation and you're going to have a baby. Uh, honey, I'm 100 years old. You know. Sarah laughed. I don't know if you hear this. Uh, Anybody got a dog? Anybody got a dog at home? What's your dog's name? Max. Max? Max, Really? Maximus. Maximus. Max. So, so you, so you got this dog in your house, and the dog is, you let it out the back and it's running around the backyard. Max gets out the back gate and he's running, and you go out and notice the dog is gone. So you go out in the backyard and you say, "Hey, Max!" Max isn't anywhere. So you go to the gate and you look and you say, "Here, Max! Here, Max!" And you're standing there saying, "Here, Max," and Max ain't even here. Who came up with "Here, Max"? Anyway, Who ever came like, "Max, you get your..." Bu- no, not that. Here, Max. Here, Max. Here, Max. And sooner or later, here comes Max. And you look down, and Max is right there. We sometimes have more faith in our dogs than we do our God. Because God says, I want you to say that I'm here even when you don't see me. I want you to say that things are going to change even when all the circumstances say they are not going to change. I want you to say that we're going to resolve this and we're going to get whole and there's going to be forgiveness and there's going to be peace even when all you've seen is chaos. And then I want you by faith to begin acting on that. I want you to begin walking in peace and walking in righteousness. I want you to begin calling call on my name. And I want you to begin to worship. And I want you to say amen on occasion. I want you to declare the power of your God. I want you to stop playing this. I'm just going to walk on the water for a few minutes. Stand up with me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Worship him. Come on. Anybody want to worship him with me? Worship him with me. Where's my stormy people? Where are you? Where are you? Some of you have been stuck and in a boat for a while. You've been stuck and in a boat for a while. Some of you have been filled with more doubt than you care to confess. But we're going to engage it. We've been engaging it today. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Where are you? I ain't have you lift your hands all day, but why don't, you just, why don't you just start walking forward? It's like, Pastor Rick. That message was all about me, and I'm saying it was. It was Jesus saying, Come. I want to hold you. Come on, walk on the water all the way. Sometimes coming to the altar is like walking on water, isn't it? It's like, I don't believe it. I just come on, come, come and stand with me. Don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. You're with somebody and they're struggling. Take them by the hand and come on down. Take them by the hand. So we're going to go and have some prayer right now. We're going to have prayer right now. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus. Y'all come sing. I love you. And my my prayer workers are going to come and stand around us. Oh, my prayer team, where's my... Where's my prayer warriors? I just squeeze. I got plenty of room up here. I got plenty of room. I need my prayer workers. I need my living waters, leaders, discipleship leaders. Come on, you can squeeze around the front too. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes. Everybody in the house, uh, if you can, Prayerfully, close your eyes and I want to I want to take you on a little journey in our prayer time right now nobody's going to hurt you nobody's going to shove you down on the floor that's not what we do here we're going to pray with you uh, we may talk with you a little bit if we have a word from you a word for you we'll ask you if you want it okay am I doing right okay we're not we're, we just want to pray with you Stay with me. Praise the Lord.
1: We we'll get it on here. We we'll get it on. I forgot to turn it on. There it comes. Wow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, saints. I thank God for this church. I thank God for the Word of God, because God was that Word. It was just God. Me and my husband and my grandkids, and my son. We went walking to Mount Trashmore. But before we went walking to Mount Trashmore, I was praying to God. I said, God, I want to see miracles. I want to see signs. I want to see wonders. So as we were walking to Mount Trashmore, we walked past a young man. And he had his keys getting in his truck. And my husband said to him, how you doing? And the young man said, But the young man, as we were walking past him, he backed up. And he fell down and he went into convulsions. And I looked and fear said, he fell down. And I'm looking around to the left and to the right. But all glory be to God. Miracles (laughs) are real. Yeah, they are. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So all glory be to God looked down and humbled myself under the mighty hand of God. And I said, Lord, it would be a shame. I said, help him. And I said, Lord, it will also be a shame for this young man to die in front of me when you have called me to pray in a church. But I love working out. I love working out watching God do the work because I'm not doing it. And so all glory be to God as he was laying there in the convulsion. Nobody walked over to him. Nobody. The miracle that I saw, hallelujah, (laughs) hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The miracle that I saw, oh my God, dude. God heard my heart because I didn't even open up my mouth. I said, Lord, you said we would have power. You said we would have power. Hallelujah. But I said it in my heart. Right. Because he sees our hearts. Right. Man, look at the hour, but God looks at the hour and so all glory be to God God let me lift my head nobody went to this man nobody he was laying on the ground and my daddy my father my father he let me see death leave him he was in a convulsion the convulsion stopped. death left him and as he got up my daddy led me to him Now go pray for him, my child. And as I prayed for him, glory be to God, this man, yes, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. So what happened is a a man drove. He said, man, I saw you fall down. You know, the young man told me after the prayer, he, he, he said, I didn't even know what happened. He didn't even know he had failed. Down. He didn't know nothing. And but you know what God showed me? He hears us, church. You can open up your mouth, but He also hears your heart. Hallelujah! He hears your heart. Amen. Hallelujah! He sees your heart. Amen. And he's well. He got up and he's. Oh, he's
0: fine. Praise Jesus.
1: He's fine. He got up after the prayer and everything, me saying the miracles work of God, Praise we God. laughed, and I told him, keep calling on Jesus.
0: Praise and Jesus. And he said, Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Praise well, I Jesus. Had to give
0: that to
1: him. Praise Jesus.
0: Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Right where you are. Close your eyes. Just thank you for my witnesses. Thank you for the witness. So whatever's going on in your heart, I want you to. Identify the storm that you have. Just identify it. Just identify it and call it what it is. If you're stuck, if you're stuck right now, in fact, I, I'm going to do this. Some of you feel like you're buffeted. You're stuck. You're not going forward, not going backwards. Lift your hand and wave at me so I'll, if, if I got anybody that's kind of stuck in the storm. There you go. All right, put your hands, yeah, and put them back, right back down. So some of you are stuck. Can't move forward, can't move back. And so I want you to, in faith, I want you to take a look at the storm, what the situation is, and now I want you to stop looking at the storm. And in the spirit, I want you to look towards Jesus. Just look towards him. Look towards him. We sing a song like this: He was there all the time. Go ahead, say it. He was there all the time. Say it. He's there. Now I want you to thank him for being there. Thank him. Thank him for being there. All right. Now, specific word, there were so many words that I shared today but a specific word that, that is going to change your life. You probably already hooked that word in your heart. It, was, it might have been something like this. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Praise you, Jesus. There's nothing too great for your God. He who began a good work and he was also able to complete it. Do You hear that? Do you hear that? You hear a word from the Lord, and he's going to say, "Come to me." So I want you to gently lift your hands up in the air. Now, just everybody, g- gently lift your hands up and tell the Lord. Say, "Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you." Tell him I'm coming to you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for my salvation. I am your child now come to me rescue me and restore me I refuse to live in doubt tell him I refuse to live in doubt I reject the doubts everything that is contrary to your word I reject it now in the name of Jesus come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit fill me with your word I reject the fear. I reject the lies. I stand in Your Word. You are greater than my storm. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Well, my prayer team, just begin to move. Prayer workers, move as the Holy Spirit leads you. And everyone, please, if you'll stay, we'll get to you and we'll pray with you. But come, Holy Spirit, do this good work everybody in the house lift your hands and worship him give him thanksgiving listen may the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you and give you peace may the Lord lead you out of the bondage of your doubt and in to a place of joy and freedom and miracles may the Lord raise you up may the Lord raise you up so that you can experience the joy of a faithful life I want you to begin now. Just go ahead and begin and call those things which have not been as though they are. Lord, I thank you that my home is whole. I thank you for healing in my life. I thank you for setting me free. I thank you for setting my home free. Go ahead and thank him. Everybody in the house, thank him. God bless you all. We're going to continue to pray. Continue to pray with one another. We're going to pray for these that are here. God bless you all.